So, hello everyone again and, and uh, welcome to our Empty Mountain Day of Mindfulness. So, um, this talk uh, today centers around the theme, the insight of interbeing. And on that note, to start off, um, I'd like to share in my best TV announcer voice that this talk was brought to you in part by the state of Wyoming. And <laughs> so what I uh, am referring to is I uh, recently got home from a, a solo road trip that I took to see my mom. And uh, we, her and I met in uh, Boulder, Colorado. And it was a halfway point in between where I live here in Western Montana and where she lives in Northern Arkansas. About a 14 hour drive one way for each of us. And um, um, I guess about half, I mean, I think it's uh, about half of my drive time was through the lovely state of Wyoming. And um, so I'm aware that with the, um, the pairing, so with the pairing of the really large, lovely, expansive natural landscape of Wyoming and the, the open road of which there was very few vehicular travelers on through most of Wyoming. Um, I'm aware that without that time, because I used a lot of that drive time to reflect on this topic and to craft certain parts of this talk, without having recently gone through Wyoming, this talk would be different. It would be a different talk. And I'm also aware that uh, the musicians that I listened to along the way that served as sort of the soundtrack of my travel, travels there and back. Um, musicians, uh, some of my favorites of uh, Ani DeFranco and Lord Haran and Rodrigo E. Gabriel and our good friend, uh, singer-songwriter Dave Manning. They're also all part of this talk. I see them very uh, closely embedded and interwoven because um, as I was traveling, I listen to them and uh, they helped me also to reflect on this topic. Mm. So when we are able to utilize the lens of interbeing, and sometimes I actually like to look at it and see it as a, like a pair of glasses, like a pair of lenses that I put on and look through and that helps me clarify my vision um, when we're able to utilize this lens, we're able to start getting in touch with the many different causes and conditions, elements and factors, uh, influences and experiences that have gone into creating and manifesting whatever it is that we're engaging with. So whether it's ourselves with a difficult emotion that comes up or it's another person or a group of people or an event we read about or a part of or um, whether it's in the physical present moment or in our mind's eye, um, whatever it is we're engaging with, 
um, when we look through this lens and utilize the lens of interbeing, we can see that there's a whole backstory of history that has gone into creating and manifesting whatever it is that's that's that we're engaging with. So I think this is the, the great gift that we uh, receive when we're able to utilize and look through through this lens. We see that everything and everyone are tethered to this web of life. That everything is in relationship um, with so many different moving parts and pieces. And ultimately everything is uh, in relationship with everything else. Right? Everything is tethered to the web. So on the flip side, when we are not able or not using uh, the lens of interbeing, what happens often then is that we uh, create separation. We think of things and operate in such a way that separates either ourselves or others or both on and, and sort of abandons them on an island that is untethered to the to the web of life. It's separate. It's outside of what's supposed to quote unquote happen. It's outside of life somehow. So we we've designated it onto this island or ourselves onto an island that is not tethered to the mainland. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's important to um, dig the well deeper here in the sense that so what happens when I think there's a couple of things. As mindfulness practitioners, I think there's a couple of things that are really worth our attention and um, reflection um, in regards to our practice when it comes to, okay, so what happens when we're not looking through this lens, like in a really sort of practical way? And I think two things that are important to mention. One is that when we're not looking through this lens, what then often happens is that we have the high propensity to negatively judge criticize, condemn, blame and shame other people. Um, it closes our heart, in essence. Yeah, there's a closure or a closing down of our heart space. Um, the second thing, or a second thing that happens that I think is worthwhile are paying attention to, again, as mindfulness practitioners on our path of practice, is that we then often have a very high propensity to enter into the cycle of attachment and aversion. And I think it's worth mentioning here that in my view, this is, we all have likes and dislikes. We all have preferences and things and people that we gravitate towards and away from. In my view, that's very normal and natural as part of being human. Um, but the attachment aversion cycle is different in the way that I see it anyway. And it's sort of like next level. And it involves our happiness and our wellness really hinging on certain things going a very particular way. And when that doesn't happen, we can get really upended. It can create a lot of, we can create a lot of stress and anxiety for ourselves when certain things aren't being met exactly as we want them to be. So our happiness really hinges on these external factors, um, which also means it's very fleeting and fickle. And again, digging a little deeper here, um, I think what happens then, so um, is that when we enter into starting to negatively judge, condemn, criticize other people, um, what happens then is that it really reduces our ability or completely eliminates our ability 
to generate qualities such as compassion, understanding, loving kindness, and genuine care. And what happens when we enter into the attachment aversion cycle is it, again, either greatly reduces or completely eliminates our ability to really experience and generate feelings, felt feelings of ease, joy, and uh, contentment, solidity, and grounding. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's important um, as practitioners to see, okay, like what, how does it really show up for myself and my practice when I'm looking through this lens versus when I'm not? How does that actually translate to how I'm feeling and how I, um, you know, interact in, uh, with others in the world and how I see things? So a couple of, um, I'm going to give a couple of uh, examples from my recent travels um, to maybe help illustrate things a little bit more because I think there's a lot of subtleties to digging deeper into this particular well of practice. Um, and so um, one, uh, one thing that happened, so I, so I was going through, I was heading towards Boulder, um, Colorado driving, and um, I, was, I was in Wyoming at that point and I was driving and um, alongside the road I passed by a really, uh, really lovely, well-made, like an artisan metal sign that said, welcome to beef country. And um, yeah, I just, I took notice of the sign, very, very lovely, well-made sign. And in that moment of seeing that sign, I was looking through the lens, I had the lens of interbeing on. And because of that, although I myself am a vegetarian, I've been a vegetarian since I was 12, so a long time, um, although that particular industry is not one that uh, directly supports my particular diet, I did not see that welcome to beef country sign as something separate. I, I didn't look at, at beef country as being this other thing outside of my own diet. I saw it very much interconnected, like it was part of the same web of life that my diet is supported by and not something different. And I felt really, I felt, I honestly felt welcomed into the beef country that I was in, this lovely natural rolling hills and lovely landscape of Wyoming. And I felt very connected to um, all of the, uh, and appreciative for all of the many hands and hard work that goes into that industry, making that food product available for people. Um, so my heart was very open and I saw that connection um, uh, in, that, in that moment. Now later that same day, <laughs> this was not the case. <laughs> I did not have the, here's an example of when I did not have the, my uh, lens on of interbeing. So later that same day, and actually it might've been the next day cause I camped, uh, I car camped overnight uh, in Buffalo, Wyoming at a lovely campground called Deer Park which is why I went there, <laughs> thought it was a good sign. Um, and uh, lovely older couple that ran this nice little campground. Anyway, so I stayed there. So um, I think I saw the, the welcome sign the first day and so it was the second day. So the next day I was uh, traveling uh, on the road and I had gotten off the interstate to fill up um, gas, fill up my car with gas. 
And as I was getting back on the highway, um, merging back on, there is a large white truck in the right-hand lane. And now it did have plenty of room uh, to get over to let me merge in, but it chose to stay in its lane of travel to the point where I kind of had to come to almost a complete stop, like right at the inter inter the junction to the interstate. I couldn't merge on because the truck was just staying there. This is a pet peeve of mine, uh, driving pet peeve of uh, when people have the opportunity to get over, free to merge, and they don't. It's a, just one of those things for me, that's a pet peeve. So I had irritation right away at this uh, maneuver that I did not approve of, right? And now as we're continuing to, you know, we're traveling in the same direction, this, this truck and I, and I uh, watched it do a couple of other questionable maneuvers that I also did not approve of. <laughs> and I saw, and this was adding to my storyline and my irritation. And what was happening with my storyline is not only was I like, oh, that wasn't very nice that I didn't get over, but I, I noticed that I was starting to also then apply that to what kind of person was driving that truck. I was like, okay, well now here's a person driving this big truck and they operated like this on the road. And so now I feel like I got this nameless person in a you know big, large vehicle figured out. Mm. Um, and I was very much separating myself from their driving. I was like, oh, not consciously. So this was something I reflected on later. But in that moment, I was self-righteously like, well, I'm a better driver than that person which is nonsense because <laughs> I drive poorly all the time. Um, we all do at times and, or, or whatever and don't notice something and you know, all sorts of things happen. But so as we continue to travel, I, I was having the, this irritation. My body felt like tight and, um, and I was creating some distance between me and this truck because again, a couple other maneuvers did make me sort of question uh, their, their driving skills. And so I was giving myself distance. And as we continued, um, so I'm someone who likes to really pay attention to state welcome signs, at least take acknowledgement of them as I'm driving by. I like to like keep my eye out for them. And in this case, as I was traveling, I wanted to actually pull over and take a picture, like a selfie of the sign to, to the welcome to Colorado sign. So I had my eyes peeled for this, for the sign and I saw it, I saw it coming up and there was a pull off, um, I'm so grateful for the, the DOT, the Department of Transportation. It was amazing. And like they make these little pull-offs so you could take selfies of the signs. <laughs> I was like, that's so great, guys. Thanks. Um, and anyway, so I saw this pull-off and I was like, oh, okay, there's a sign. I'm going to pull off and take a picture. And as I was pulling off, I had kind of forgotten about the white truck a little bit. The white truck was also pulling off. So now I was following the big white truck and I was like, hilarious. <laughs> 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 because I do tend to use humor and find things funny and that does help me like alleviate you know tension and uh, irritation so I was like hilarious so now I'm following this white truck off this you know relatively small pull-off like it was just really designed to take a picture of the sign apparently or you know see the sign um, so now I'm in the position so he the the truck pulls up to the the sign pretty much right in front of it and so now I'm in the position of being like well I either wait for this truck to move so I can take my own picture of the sign <laughs> or I just drive off and forget about the picture. 
So I decided to wait it out. I tried to give it a little bit of space and not just be like right there with it, but it was also a pretty small pull off. Um, but I was like, okay, maybe I'll wait it out and see what happens. So the driver gets out, it was a man, and he gets out and then the passenger gets out, who's a woman, I presume would be maybe his partner. And then the, the man goes to the back seat, there's like an extended cab, a big truck, and uh, emerges with a small sleeping child. And the child is now draped over the dad's, I assume, the dad's shoulder. And the three of them walk up to the sign to take a selfie of the three of them at the sign. And then they get in their, their truck and drive off. And in that moment that all three of them got out and went to the sign to take a picture of the sleeping child uh, into my, the lens of interbeing in that moment for me was restored. And I was like, oh, there's a real person in this truck <laughs> with a whole experience in life and uh, presumably a father with a family and they're taking a picture of the sign just like me. <laughs> like we were the only two that got off in the, the, the traffic that was starting to pick up a little bit there and um, to take a selfie of the sign. And it was just very a sweet moment to witness and have that like awareness. Um, and that's really what helped me to see like how much I had been like that irritation had been generated in my body and, and how much I had really like separated uh, this other nameless, you know, unknown driver on the road. Um, and so in that moment of seeing the family, like my heart reopened and I saw that connection. Oh, we're doing the same thing. We're taking the same picture. <laughs> we're, you know, um, we're traveling on the same road together. And this person has this whole backstory of history, just like me. Um, so just a couple of sort of illustrated, uh, you know, things to to kind of help maybe tie some of this together to see some sort of practical usages of how this might show up for us in our daily life. So it was a really uh, uh, a, a neat moment in that, in that time. And, and fun fact, as a side note, because I do pay attention to state welcome signs, Colorado, I mean, I've, I've been around the country a few times uh, driving and I don't recall any other state that has chosen to add an adjective into their welcome sign. Colorado says, welcome to colorful Colorado. <laughs> just saying, just in case you wanted to know. <laughs> I found that delightful because everything else is like, welcome to Wyoming, welcome to Montana, which is great. That's, you know, but I didn't know it was a thing you could add an adjective in there. So well done, Colorado. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hmm. I, um, I think that our, our pathway as mindfulness practitioners uh, is aimed at moving in the direction of utilizing this lens of interbeing more and more and more as time goes on and our practice continues. And I want to offer a couple of uh, practical 
what I consider to be practical practices that might prove helpful for us in our daily life to invest in to help us to continue to develop and strengthen this lens so that we are able to um, wear this lens more and more. And there are things that I do in my own practice. Um, I'm a big fan of like daily practical practices, uh, big practitioner and proponent of that. So the first one um, centers around when we eat uh, a meal um, and taking a few moments before eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner to connect with our gratitude for the food in front of us and then also to see if we can just spend a few moments to to practice looking deeply into our food to get in touch with some of the uh, elements the causes and conditions that went into creating and making possible that food i think food is a relatively easy place to to start and to continue working as far as developing this lens of interbeing because i think it's easy relatively easy to see that okay this food had to have come from here and here or just you know we can at least make some speculations about the places all the places that um, were necessary and places that our food might have come from and um, the transportation and the whole uh, system involved in our in creating our food um, and making it possible in the grocery store and wherever we buy our food um, so spending time every day um, before eating meal, just a few moments, it doesn't have to take a long time, but to really start looking deeply and in, um, into our food to see some of the possible places that it came from and, and the different uh, factors and elements that have gone into it. And I'm also a big fan of starting small. And so if this isn't something you're, you're kind of already doing as part of your practice, it might be helpful to just pick one meal a day. Just start there and 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 do one meal that you feel like you have a little bit more spaciousness around time wise to do this with so um, just choosing one meal uh, is a great way to start and and practice for with a while so that's one practice I want to share and the second one I consider to be more advanced and I uh, it's a practice that uh, if it speaks to you it might be something that you find you have to ease slowly into or even bookmark for later. Again, if it's something that kind of piques your interest as a thing you might want to do, but maybe you're not there yet. And it centers around how we engage with the news. And, um, and this is something I, I um, do in my own practice and, and get a lot of value out of. Um, and so when engaging with the news, um, when we experience a strong reaction, a strong emotional reaction that comes up, so maybe it's, maybe it's rage, maybe it's fear, maybe it's sorrow, really incredibly deep sorrow and heartache. Um, the practice um, is to take notice of that strong reaction to... Um, take a moment to be with it as it is and then to see if we can practice looking more deeply into what caused and spurred that reaction for us and to see if we can possibly get in touch with some of the potential causes and conditions that went into 
creating whatever it is that we just read about, whether it's an event or a specific person that did um, a particular uh, violent, terrible act. Um, and this practice is worth, you know, it's, it, I think it's really important to notice that, or to mention that this practice isn't designed to like have us forgive something or make excuses or like be like, oh, okay, well then it's fine. You know, like that's not the aim of deep looking in this case. Um, it's so that we can practice to develop understanding and practice that um, seeing that, again, everything and everyone is tethered to the web of life. There's nothing separate. There's nothing outside of it or, you know, trying our best not to abandon things on, on those separate islands. Um, so looking um, more deeply into that particular news event or story or specific person. Um, and it's a difficult practice. It's, it's, it's challenging. And oftentimes for me, when I practice this, it means I, I um, like really limit how many articles I, so I read, I go online to a particular spot. So in my case, I read the news. Um, so, and oftentimes because I do this practice, that means I engage with less articles. Like I'm not just bopping around and reading a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm, you know, selectively choosing what articles I go into and, and limiting my time in the news world um, to also help protect my own energy and uh, uh, qualities of well-being and um, but also I want to stay in touch with the news so like finding that balance which will be different for all of us right our balance will be different for each of us um, but this can be another um, potential place to uh, to practice with um, again uh, to, to further develop this lens of interbeing and the more that we are able to access and utilize this lens, um, the more uh, that we'll, we'll be able to develop insights that will help to guide us forward on our path in a way that is beneficial and nourishing uh, both to ourselves and others. Um, so these insights will generate, I, don't want, I almost want to say on their own, uh, it's not quite on their own, but that it'll be a natural result the more that we use this lens that will happen. Um, hmm. So um, I, I think at this stage I am going to wrap up and... Um, as often as the case for me, if you've heard other talks, I, I do like wrapping up. I'm like, how do you wrap up a talk? Best way I know is to end with a poem. So I'm gonna close with a poem. And uh, I looked around for a poem in a number of different books. I'm a big poetry fan, reading and writing it. But I eventually landed on uh, simply I'm going to share a poem with you that I wrote recently, um, actually while I was in Boulder with my mom one morning. <clears throat> Turns out life's simple. Love it or don't. Embrace it completely, rats, nests and all, 
or complain about it endlessly. Go with the flow of change and progress or gripe and fight it. Allow the experience of aging to open further the doors of kindness because you understand how hard it is to be a human or allow it to wither away your humanity. Say yes to the gift of living or say no. <laughs>